Good evening, everybody. Sorry, sorry for the start late. It, uh, late start, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had to get some stuff out of the copy machine, hot off the press. Uh, so we've had an interesting day. Uh, Arizona is down to, I think, about 14,000 vote different with, difference with about 60,000 votes left to count, a little more than 60,000, and there may be some others out there. Uh, it's possible uh, President Trump will have to carry 60% of those to carry the day. And that's within the uh, reasonable ability. Uh, they're Maricopa County ballots, as I understand. And here you have a state that is going to be a razor thin difference one way or the other. But of course, Fox News called that right away. Um, but here we have North Carolina that never even came within just you know anything remotely close to what Arizona had. And I think today they finally called North Carolina when President Trump had been winning the entire time. And folks already knew by 7, 38 o'clock Tuesday night that Florida was there, and they still didn't call that. They hesitated to call Alaska. And, and every time that you go on the news, which I don't do anymore, maybe you do, and I hope you don't, just shut it off. Uh, but it, you, you look at it, and they're always just putting forward this narrative that uh, uh, Vice President Biden is now the uh, president-elect. And they're putting that forward as though somehow we're supposed to all believe it when in reality, it's anything but that. We've gone through uh, the program in the previous evenings, and we've taken a look at just unbelievable things that need to be examined that are of great question uh, concerning this election. Unlike any other election that we've had in modern history, you see these things, but somehow the press, especially uh, you saw George Stephanopoulos uh, saying to Governor Christine Nome that there's no there, there's no evidence of widespread um, fraud. And uh, interesting how they put those terms together. And you're going to see this through the course of the evening, uh, as I've done in the uh, I think last two episodes. I'm going to show you a couple of clips of Charlie's episode, Charlie Kirk. And the reason why I'm doing that is because. Uh, News production is taking on a whole different dimension. We used to wait until uh, the newsrooms would work through all of the information and the evidence and they'd work through it and they would present to us in the nightly news all the work they'd done and then we could look at it and say, wow, okay. Well, now we're starting to realize we can't trust that because it's no longer news that's being put forward, it's narrative. And now we're watching how everything's changed. So what's happening is when you watch a, a program like the Charlie Kirk show or you watch, uh, you know, uh, Officer Brandon Tatum or any one of these. And as you're observing it, you're seeing these uh, these portions of evidence coming in and they're having to verify whether they're real or not. And you're seeing it in live time and they don't have enough time to put that together and they're not writing the story. They're just basically presenting the facts and processing through them. And then you come to the conclusion. And that's what's so fascinating is because it's happening this fast and it's being done by citizen journalists across the country because we can no longer, it seems, uh, trust the media. Uh, and we're also watching, even with our tech oligarchy, uh, how, how they're censoring so many things. Every time you pull up a clip, there's some sort of a label stating that this is nefarious or problematic at best. And even during election night, the president of the United States owned Twitter account. 50% of his tweets were flagged. So uh, they want us to buy this, and I, I'm, I'm not interested in it. Uh, and, and, and folks are saying, you know, he, he, is, he is the president-elect. Uh, Biden is the president-elect. I, I, I can't buy that. And as we've gone through in the program uh, a number of 
curious anomalies. Take a look at this slide. This is one that we saw with the Benford's Law that you see the, 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 the natural curve where an election begins with the largest amount of numbers coming in because obviously you had, you had vote by mail ballots coming in, so you have those present. And, and that natural curve that the last number, obviously you start to run out of ballots to count, and so it decreases. Well, that's not the case there, as you can see uh, with uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in Milwaukee. It, was, it didn't even match the other uh, controls in the other the other elections, and you just have uh, Brian Carroll and Amar Patel, which is just, you just take it in a sampling, and you can see Benford's Law listed there. And a couple other anomalies that we saw is this unbelievable rise in uh, 90-year-olds in Pennsylvania registering. Not only did they ask for a, a, a registration ballot, they also mailed it in and they voted. Uh, and, and I just, that was one of those areas in Pennsylvania that President Trump just didn't seem to connect with. And you look at those, you go, well, that's not enough to, that, that's not evidence of fraud. Uh, true, it, it isn't. There's, it, it's, there's great concerning issues here, and we did go through a number of, of, of questions in regards to the Dominion voting system and why counting stopped in these three critical states, uh, three critical areas, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee. 100% of ballots that came in, uh, in some instances in Michigan, were strictly uh, for Vice President Biden. And it almost seemed as though they didn't have enough time to fill out um, the down ballot election, so they just simply could put in for the president 500,000 ballots just for Biden with no undervote. No other place in the country. There's, there's no um, similarity except for in these locations. And of the 450 thousand ballots uh, just for Biden, 62,800 were from Wisconsin. 98,000 Pennsylvania, 85,000 Georgia, 42,000 Arizona, 115,000 Michigan. All of this is lined up. And then you had, as I said earlier, a 1,776% increase in uh, registration of people 90 years of age and older and 100% return on those that did it. Um, that's that's kind of sad. It's just you're looking at these things and you're thinking, well, this is this is a problem and it's uh, concerning. And then we also looked at Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, L.A., Boston, where President Trump never had a chance of winning in those areas. Uh, you just looked at previous elections, but yet he fared better in those cities, um, plus one in D.C., plus five in San Francisco, plus five in Chicago, plus uh, 15 in Miami. But then when you drop over to Atlanta, Detroit, and uh, Madison, or Dane County, or Dane and Madison in Wisconsin, uh, even with the universities closed, which are primarily going to vote Democrat, it seems, uh, these three cities that closed, that had an influx of ballots with no undervote, uh, with this anomaly on the Benford's law and 90 plus and all these spurious and concerning issues, Atlanta was negative five um, for uh, 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 President Trump, negative five in Detroit, negative five in Madison. And yet, all the while, this is a landslide across the country because today, a number of House seats, at actually largest number of females, uh, pro-life, by the way, in the Republican Party, brand new 
uh, members of Congress, uh, they are closing the gap in the House. It was a red wave across the country, except in those areas that shut down on election night and couldn't continue the count. 28 of 29 competitive House seats have turned uh, and they've, uh, the Republicans retained 28 of 29. Republicans have flipped now, I think, five or six, um, uh, actually more seats. And we found out today that uh, Steele's seat here in California, looks like Young Kim's gonna win as well. Valadeo is still leading. Uh, there's a number of races in California, although they're finding some ballots and that's California. Uh, but also the Republicans flip, flip three state legislative bodies, uh, which is unprecedented. And the Republicans, aren't going to lose the Senate. There, there is the runoff in Georgia, but even with the recount that's going to be mandated, that's uh, going to resolve itself, I'm certain. So we're, we're looking at all of this, and it's concerning. It's very concerning. You say, but you don't have any hard evidence. Well, yes, we do. Uh, you have a sworn affidavit, which means if this person's lying, they're going to go to jail. They stepped out on a sworn affidavit. You also have this with postal workers, sworn affidavits. We have a number of sworn affidavits, and here is one of them. And Charlie will cover this in one of his segments. But I want you to take a look at this. Uh, on November 20th, I was surprised to see numerous uh, new boxes of ballots arrive at the CCF Center in the evening. I first noticed these boxes in the distribution area after many of the military ballots had been distributed and processed. I estimated these boxes contained several thousand new ballots when they appeared. The main list of persons who had registered to vote on or before uh, November 1st, 2020 was listed on an electronic poll book, often returned, uh, referred to as QVF. As I understand, it is supplemental sheets where lists of person who has registered to vote on November 2nd, 2020 or November 30th, 2020. I observed none of the names on the new ballots were on the QVT form uh, of the supplemental sheets. I saw the computer operators at several counting boards manually adding names and addresses of these thousands of ballots of the QVF system. And when I asked what the possible justification was to counting ballots from unknown, unverified persons, I was told by election supervisors from the Wayne County clerk's office had checked them out. I challenged not one ballot, but the entire process as the names were not on the QVF or supplemental sheets and because date of births were all wrong, all being marked. Ready for this? January 1st, 1900. That means everyone on that list is 120 years old. That's very amazing. Um, <laughs> And so they go on and they stated, Mr. Miller, walk me back to the uh, to board number 86, ask what I wanted the challenge to say. I said that I did not want to challenge just one ballot, but the entire process as I was witnessing several thousand ballots imputed illegally. Mr. Miller advised a computer operator was to type in as uh, a challenge so that if uh, it was part of the official record in the poll book for the board number 86. I challenged the authority and the authenticity of all these ballots and were being processed late with absolutely no accompanying documentation, no corresponding name in the QVF and no corresponding name. I mean, this is a sworn affidavit. And if that's not enough, look down at uh, uh, 16 or 15 there. Every ballot was being fraudulently manually entered into the electronic uh, poll book as having been born January 1st, 1900. Last batch of ballots was processed in the 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. time frame, 
And when I asked about the impossibility of each ballot having the same birthday occurring in 1900, I was told that uh, was the instruction that came down from the Wayne County Clerk's Office. He was very clear about these ballots and that the instructions were coming from the Wayne County Clerk's Office. Very concerning. Very concerning. And yet, nah, there's no evidence. Although we have sworn affidavits, people are willing to go to jail for this uh, by stating and swearing by oath as a sworn affidavit. Uh, they're going to testify. They're eyewitnesses. And, and that's not enough to take a look at this? Don't we want a fair election? Fascinatingly enough, before the sun could set, it seemed as almost all of the folks that we had previously labored for in life all of a sudden were calling uh, Vice President Biden, President-elect Biden. We had congratulatory statements from uh, previous Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Congratulations to President-elect Biden. I have prayed for our president most of my adult life. I'll be praying for you and your success. Now is the time to heal deep wounds. Many are counting on you to lead the way. Uh, we also have Senator Mitt Romney. Ann and I extend our congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, we know both of them as people of goodwill and admirable character. We pray that God may bless them in the days and years ahead. And if that wasn't enough, um, we also had former President George W. Bush extend his congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden in a statement Sunday saying the former vice president had won his opportunity to lead and unify our country. The former president echoed the call for unity Biden made in his victory speech Saturday night saying we must come together for the sake of our families and neighbors and for our nation and its future. And there is no problem that will not yield to the gathered will of a free people. Now, fitting that uh, President Bush would state these things, as I recall, I'm 56 and I do remember supporting him and standing out on street corners for over 30 days wanting a fair election in Florida as there was great concern with uh, hanging chads and all kinds of things with that election. And uh, here he is right away with sworn affidavits and very clear anomalies and concerns across the country. And now we see in that party that elected him in 2000, the Republican Party, 75% uh, of the party is disgusted uh, with this election. They don't consider it fair at all. And they're of great concern. That means 25% are like, well, I'm not really sure. Now, that's, that's a huge hit. And everyone that got you elected, uh, former President Bush, uh, all of a sudden you're calling Biden president-elect. And we don't understand. I just, I don't get it. We stood in your defense. And here you are just thwarting the will of the people and talking, putting two words together, free people. We don't have freedom to express differences. We don't have freedom to stand outside the narrative. We're censored. And, and I understand what you're saying and what you're doing. And this is of great concern to all citizens across the country. And, and by the way, it's, those aren't my, my words. Those are yours. I mean, we have a clip of you from 2000. And I don't know if we're ready to show it. Do we have a clip? Take a look at this clip of the president speaking about his own election in 2000 when it came down to this. Good evening. Tonight, Secretary Cheney and I thank the many thousands of Americans who've written or called or emailed to offer prayers and encouragement as we all await the outcome of the election. I'm sure that Vice President Gore and Senator Lieberman are receiving similar good wishes. 
and would want to join us in thanking our fellow Americans for their caring and concern. No matter who you voted for in this election, whether you supported Vice President Gore or whether you supported me, all Americans want a fair and accurate count of the votes in Florida, a fair and accurate count that measures up to the highest standards and principles outlined in our Constitution and our laws. As we work to conclude this election, we should be guided by three principles. This process must be fair, this process must be accurate, and this process must be final. His words, not mine. <laughs> Where's that man today? Apparently he's uh, somewhere else, I don't know. So obviously you can see over 70 million Americans are highly suspect and we have sworn affidavits. We've got more than enough to concern ourselves with an election that looks real ugly. And uh, we just want it to be fair. We want it to be honest. And I, I think it merits to the American people. Why would, why would Vice President Biden, if he does fairly win this election, want to ascend to the highest office in the land with 70, over 70 million of those that he has um, been given the ability to govern by their consent when they're questioning how he got there. I don't know that that's healing. I, I think when we look at unity, um, we're, we're wanting cultural unity, but we're not gonna have unity of thought, meaning that we're all going to think the same. That's called conformity. That's called conformity. We're not going to conform to the narrative. We're looking at it and we're just telling you right now, this stinks and it needs to be addressed. And so we're watching as the narrative is changing. We're going to take a look at that because early on we were fed this, that no, well, this is all it is. Vice President-elect, <laughs> the networks have called it. And, um, and then you, you had a, a former Florida governor come out and say, you know, congratulations. And you have a sitting uh, Republican senator saying congratulations. And then you had a former president, Republican, saying congratulations. And you think, wow, they, they have got the consensus. Well, consensus changes when facts are revealed. And even though they censored, what's amazing is citizen journalists have labored tirelessly. And um, I, had, I, I had the numbers, but <clears throat> Fox News has dropped by 50%. And you watch Newsmax, and they're rising rapidly. Uh, the, the number one seeking apps on, <clears throat> uh, on the Internet currently are for Parler and Newsmax. Um, interesting. We're tired of you. That's why we're doing this. That's why people are tuning in. Who would have thought they would have listened to me for all of this stuff? They're desperate. They're desperate for anything that, that we can find that is actually making sense, because you don't. And, uh, and folks are gathering across the country and we're praying. We're praying. We're not rioting. We're not burning cities. We're not, we're not fomenting violence. That, that systemically racist, you know, deplorables, over 70 million of us. Chumps, I think, as Vice President Biden called us. We're, we're looking for facts. We're asking for honesty and transparency. We're praying. And we're researching because you're not doing it. You refuse to look at these things. And then you want to 
gaslight us and make us feel like we're crazy. Well, we're not. We know we're not. We're not stupid. And we're going to keep pushing. And that's just how it is. We're not arrogant. But we are going to examine. And, and we're going to do it in such a way that we love this nation and we, we love the process. We still believe in it. And no one's going to steal it by deception. And we're not going to let it happen. And so all Americans are rising up. And the more we start to see it, the more we're going to push back. We're going to push against the legislators. We're going to tell them to stand. We know this is going to go to the Supreme Court with the issuance of what Justice Alito said and all the things happening there. We also know that the governor and the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania overstepped their constitutional boundaries. And that's going to come into question. So before I get to uh, Charlie's segments, I wanted to share with you on a side note that today is an interesting day. It's November 10th, as you know, but in 1735, uh, a pretty fascinating individual was born on this day. His name was Granville Sharp. And everyone goes, ah, who's Granville Sharp? Well, there's a thing called the Granville Sharp Rule. Um, he was a linguist. He understood Greek and Hebrew. He's the one who defended the Trinity in Scripture, as he pointed out, and contended with those who wouldn't see the Trinity or even declare Christ uh, as God. He, um, he was an amazing linguist. And the Granville Sharp rule is still in play and it's still used when it interprets Koine Greek. He was a brilliant man. He wrote uh, a number of, 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 of books. Uh, but he wasn't just a theologian. And this is a call to the pastors out there. He wasn't just a theologian. He was a theologian in the ecclesia in the public square. He contended for humanity. He had started out by uh, books primarily on theology. He was also a great musician. And um, then all of a sudden in 1769, he started to take fire. A representation of the injustice and dangerous tendencies of tolerating slavery. Not very popular in England at the time. The first track in, in England attacking slavery was his. He could have just left well enough alone. He had, he had an ac academic license. He had a comfortable parish. He could have just rested in all that. He didn't need all the headache. I mean, slavery was pretty popular in England and around the world in 1769. 1771, an appendix to the representation reinforcing his case against slavery 1771, again, remarks concerning encroachments on the River Tame in regards to slavery. He actually took on dueling. He said how it wasn't scriptural. What are you doing? Stay in your lane. Don't talk politics, pastor. 1774, declaration of the people's natural right to share in the legislature in support of the American colonists. 1774, supporting American colonists. This guy's out of his lane. A declaration of the people's natural right in support of both American and Irish. 1776, a law of retributions. Uh, another article, 1776, just limitations of slavery and the laws of God. The laws of passive obedience, the laws of liberty. A preface to General James Oglethorpe's The Sailor's Advocate on uh, an attack on the press gangs. He did another article on the laws of nature. An address to the people of England stating the illegality of arresting sailors 
and, and taking them to force them to the king's duties. They'd go into cities and just take men and put them in the service of the king's navy. Or 1779, Doctrine of Nolum Tempus, Akura Regia explained, it's very involved, but he also said the legal means of political reformation. He goes on and on, and he actually, a couple more, is that he encouraged a letter to a gentleman in Maryland respecting the extreme wickedness of tolerating the slave trade. He was tireless. In 1798, remarks on the uses of the definitive article in Greek text of the New Testament containing many new proofs of the divinity of Christ from the passage which are wrongly translated in the common English version, which contains the grammatical principle still known as the Granville Sharp Rule. He did children's books, too. He was an amazing man. And he started the Clapham Group, inspired others to see slavery for what it was, evil. He inspired a man by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce would go on to tirelessly work for the abolition of slavery in the British Empire. But in 18... 13, Granville Sharp died, and he died on the 6th of July of 1813. Slavery wouldn't be abolished in England until 1833, so he never got to see the end of his work. He started it when it wasn't popular, and others finished it. You see, good needs to keep operating in the public square. This is a wake-up call to all Americans it's not going to go away unless you stand up and do something. You want to change? Then be the change. Do something about it. You, you tune in because you want election results. You want it to know it's going to be all better. Well, what are you doing about it? There's a lot of work to be done. There's briefs that are being done by attorneys and things happening. And you can write a check. You can send something here. But today, my wife and I made sure that we connected with the legislators in these States to tell them to stand. My, my wife sent to the Supreme Court. She wrote uh, to the Supreme Court asking for a review. Have you all done that yet? You need to. This is our job. This is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So we have to participate in it. You can't sit idly by. I know all of you are praying. Keep that up. That's critical. There's really nothing worth doing if we can do it apart from prayer but also work. We're agents that have been employed by God, instruments, and we have to be active and prepared to do what's right. I could go on and on, but I will not. Uh, I want to show you a couple of clips that came today that I thought were excellent from uh, Charlie. I'm going to show you two of them tonight. I'll show you this first one and the second one. Uh, take a look at this, and then I'll come back with a couple of comments before we go to the next one. Hello everybody, Charlie Kirk here, host of the Charlie Kirk Show. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. I want to play the George Stephanopoulos clip again, and then I want to go into the Roy Blunt clip. Governor Christy Nome, who's one of the good ones, uh, she's phenomenal. She's an American hero, and she's fighting hard on these activist media networks. I want you to listen carefully to, more importantly, what George Stephanopoulos, the Clinton sycophant, has to say. He says something widespread voter fraud. Listen to that carefully, and I'm going to talk about how dangerous and misleading this statement is. Play tape. 
They have come up with zero evidence of widespread fraud. And that is not true. That is absolutely not true. People have signed legal documents, affidavits, stating that they saw illegal activities. And that is why we need to have this conversation in, in court. The New York Times itself said that there were clerical errors. If no you look at what happened in Michigan, fraud, Governor, that's uh, that we had different. computer glitches that changed Republican votes to Democrat votes. You look in Pennsylvania, dead people voted in Pennsylvania. So George, I don't know how widespread it is. I don't know if it'll change the outcome of the election. But why is everybody so scared just to have a fair election and find out? So listen, if you listen very carefully, again, the activist media, they are experts in linguistic manipulation. To an untrained ear and an untrained eye, Stephanopoulos just looks like he's doing his job. But what did he say there? There are zero pieces of evidence of widespread. So he uses an objective term, zero, that's a number, zero, and then he uses a subjective term, widespread. So which is it, George? And what the activist media needs to be asked is this. What number, percentage of fraud, would satisfy your definition of widespread? And if you can't give us a number, stop using the term. You're using the term to shut us up. That's why you're using it. You're using the term to suffocate dissent. Widespread is an unscientific, subjective, non-mathematic term. How about this? Mr. Stephanopoulos and the activist media, there is evidence that has been bubbling up, that has been collected, that anywhere between 15 to 100,000 votes in some of these key states very well could have been fraudulent and manipulated. In Georgia, for example, there are 132,032 votes that are potentially invalid. Biden's lead in Georgia is 12,377. That's how adults talk about this stuff, George Stephanopoulos. What's really interesting is how they talked about the Chinese coronavirus. They said a 1% death rate would be catastrophic, and that is widespread. Yet they don't say that a 1% voter fraud rate is anything worth even worrying about. They say that's not widespread. So it's widespread when the virus rates, which it is, by the way, I agree, 1% would be awful. It's terrible. The infection, the, the, because we don't even know the true infection rate in our country, it's a case-demic in the last couple months. I agree. So if the standard is 1% of people that die from the virus is bad, how about that 1% of votes that were cast are fraudulent? That is widespread, yet they use an inherently unscientific, subjective, non-mathematic term to try and tell you, shut up and stop asking questions. I'm starting to see little breadcrumbs, though, that there might be something happening behind the scenes, that there might be something that is going to be revealed very, very soon. I'm not just saying that to get your hopes up. Listen to establishment Roy Blunt. As soon as I saw, before I saw the video, I have to tell you. I'm going to reveal and confide something in you to our th millions of people watching and listening. I thought that he was going to do the typical Republican establishment thing. Congratulations, President-elect Biden. Wait till you hear what Senate, Senator Roy Blunt, who's establishment man 2.0, he's McConnell's best buddy with John Thune in the background. Wait till you hear what he has to say about what's happening. Play tape that virtually every predictor of what was going to happen in the elections was wrong. You know, the president wasn't uh, defeated by 
huge numbers. In fact, he may not have been defeated at all. We may not have been defeated at all. He's right. Now, what would com- what would compel both him and Mitch McConnell holding the line so aggressively? There's two theories. Number one, they're paying a debt of gratitude to President Trump that kept them in the Senate majority because Steve Daines and Joni Ernst and Lindsey Graham. John Cornyn probably would not have won their races if it wasn't for President Trump bringing new voters into the rolls. Or they might be briefed on a voter fraud investigation that very well might reveal invalid voting, the likes of which that is hundreds of thousands of votes. This is why the activist media doesn't want to have this conversation. There's something about this that everyone is missing. For those of you on radio that I lose you this hour, charliekirk.com. Stay tuned on the live stream. Second hour of radio coming next. We'll be right back. So we're going to show uh, one more clip uh, periodically in just a little bit, excuse me. And uh, before we do that, though, um, it's interesting that today, uh, this exact day, as, as I already went through Granville Sharp, he was born on this day. But also on this day 20 years ago, Bush was made president. It was certified. I mean, that was the deal. And we had Americans protesting. And I remember taking my kids when they were young, my two girls, and, and demanding a fair election and standing in his defense and allowing recounts and people to scrutinize hanging chads uh, and dimpled ballots and, and all the pictures. I remember that. And we went through it and they counted and they recounted. And all of a sudden we have all of this massive data, sworn affidavits, and nobody's interested. And the president that had been elected by the efforts of Americans 20 years ago today is all of a sudden dismissing that and embracing, as he would say, president-elect. I'm struggling over this. I'm struggling because we were contending. You see Granville Sharp contending for the freedom of man. You, You see us contending for free elections 20 years ago. And now we're being sold out by folks that don't really understand the sovereignty of a nation or the freedom of the individual And they're pushing towards an oligarchy that the few would rule the many. And it's concerning. You say, well, the press is always right. They weren't right with Nick Sandman. They ruined that young man's life. But they did the narrative and we were supposed to have believed it. He wins a lawsuit against them. And we, we look at 500 black businesses in Minnesota being burned, BLM Inc., And that's all driven by a media narrative. We saw what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We're tiring of you destroying our country and we're no longer putting up with your media narrative that is pitting us against one another and trying to divide and destroy our nation. We're sick of it. And that's why, as you saw Charlie Kirk, and I'm putting him up there, and you're thinking, well, he doesn't have the cool cameras and and the HD and all the background and all. It's just, it's just a, it's cheap, it's simple, and he's putting it up there. But he's the number one YouTube in views for news and number two all overall. That's pretty fascinating. <laughs> Doing better than all of you. You go to try to find Tucker Carlson and your views have dropped so bad. And Tucker's even impugning his own network. And so we're struggling. We're struggling and we're frustrated. And I would also add that we're, we're looking and all these folks who are pushing for fair elections and the freedom to vote. And I would say in the last week and a half, as I've been traveling and doing a number of things, um, I, 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 got, I, I, I got in my car and I had my driver's license. 
in my pocket because you can't drive a car without a photo ID. And I had to take that to the airport. And when I got to the airport, I couldn't get on the plane without my photo ID. And they confirmed it with my ticket. And I couldn't get on the plane without my ticket that had been confirmed by my photo ID. Now, I didn't go get a beer, but if I needed to, I'm sure because I look so young and handsome that they would have carded me to see if I was over. No. But you can't get a beer, you can't get a bank account without a photo ID. Now, I got to tell you something. Beer's irrelevant to me in that plane flight. I could have done without it. And if you didn't want me to drive, that's fine too. But you mess with my ability to elect those that govern by my consent with a free and fair election as dictated in our Constitution, and you start messing with it and destroying the confidence of the American people, you're no longer people we can trust. That's why you're disappearing. And that's why news is being rewritten and you're no longer valid. And so we just, oh, and I imagine this will probably be my last broadcast because you're probably going to shut us down any minute now. We'll still figure out a way around you. We're the American people and nothing's going to stop us. Here's one last clip. Take a look at it from Charlie Kirk. This is a good one. Pay attention. Hello, everybody. Charlie Kirk here, host of The Charlie Kirk Show, charliekirk.com. Thank you for supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support radio stations across the country. I grew up listening to radio on AM 560, The Answer, and that is the home of voter fraud. This is now the Chicagoization of America, what we are seeing happen. Leading liberals are now calling for investigations into voter fraud. Brett Weinstein, who is a liberal, but he's a classical liberal, not a leftist. I think he's super. I really enjoy Brett Weinstein. I really do. He's a former professor, I think, at Evergreen State University. They ran him off campus because Brett decided to say that he wasn't going to leave campus when all white men were not supposed to report to campus. Brett Weinstein says it's not clear whether there was substantial voter fraud in the 2020 U.S. election, but it is clear that there is valid for concern. Why is there not broad bipartisan interest in finding out? Brett Weinstein is a Bernie Sanders supporting liberal and also an unbelievably brilliant mathematician. And when Brett Weinstein starts saying it, it starts validating a lot of these charts that we have here of Benford's Law. Do we have that here somewhere? I'm sure it's printed out somewhere. That's okay. We have Benford's Law here. And that is the start of, that is the sort of honest commentary that we've been missing here. And so when Brett Weinstein is saying it, that goes to show that at least we need to look into it, right? And so Brett Weinstein's Hashtag that he has in his Twitter bio is hashtag Unity2020. And look, I think that unity is a very admirable goal. I do. I think that unity is something that we should try to achieve. If Joe Biden actually wants to achieve unity in our country, if Joe Biden actually wants to bring people together, he is going to now have to convince the 45 to 50 million people of the 70 million that voted for Trump, that he is a duly elected president and he won freely and he won fairly in our country. Without doing so, 
Joe Biden will have a cloud over his presidency that will make it impossible for him to govern. I want what's best for our country. I really do. Unlike the Democrats, I'm not going to be calling for people to boycott his inauguration if he wins fairly and freely. Unlike the Democrats, I'm not going to say, I'm going to go blow up the White House like Madonna said. If it is proven that all the evidence that we have here can be debunked by very smart people with good evidence and I'll pour through it, I'll be the first one to say, okay, you guys won fairly or freely. It is becoming so clear that it's not the case. Here's Senator Ron Johnson, who has more informa- who's access to more information than any one of us from Wisconsin, who says very clearly... There's nothing to congratulate Joe Biden for. Why would he be saying that? Play tape. Senator, have you congratulated Vice President Biden yet? No. Why not? There's nothing to congratulate him about. Is that what he said? It's hard with the masks, with all this. And he just keeps walking. I love Senator Ron Johnson's attitude lately. He's been terrific. But he's in leadership. And I can tell you this. Mitch McConnell... Roy Blunt and Senator Ron Johnson. They were quick to undercut the president when he told Elon Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib to go back home for when they come from and then come back. Very misinterpreted quote, but whatever. The point is that the Senate Republicans have never missed a chance to undercut the president. However, in this instance, it seems that they're holding the line. Senator Ron Johnson has access to classified material as the chairman of the Department of Homeland Security. Who's to say that Dominion Voting Systems wasn't hacked by a foreign entity? I'm not saying that I have corroborated evidence of that. I'm saying that I have suspicion, and I'm not the only one. There's a great article here that says, excuse me while I call BS in Wisconsin. Maybe this is why Ron Johnson is speaking out. It's an article at Red State. I want to make sure I get the author here. I don't have the author here. Can you send me the author name? I want to make sure I always attribute the author that do this great work. Is it Scott Honsell? Is that right? Scott Honsell? Okay. It's a phenomenal article. It says, for instance, in Wisconsin, data suggests that there are issues that need looking into in five counties in particular, Washington, St. Croix, Dane, Waukesha, and Ozaki. And by the way, Dane is exactly what we pinpointed here at the work we've been doing on the Charlie Kirk Show and our, da- our data team. These counties are in which Joe Biden beat Barack Obama's turnout by double digits. In 57 counties, Biden underperformed Obama's turnout in some counties by as much 28%. So I really want to dive into this, but maybe, and we're going to do that in the next segment. We have to take a break. But if you're losing hope, stop it. Because things are now trending to actually find justice and find the truth. Even Senate Republicans are saying that. Stay right there. We'll be right back. I I think he was channeling my godfather. Uh, Stop it. Um, I wanted to share with you that Michelle Steele unseats Democrat in California only second time in two decades. And also breaking. Yeah, it's really cool. Young Kim is doing well. She may hold out. Uh, Like I said, though, they may find some more ballots somewhere in California. Uh, but, But what's fascinating is it looks like Mike Garcia might be able to hold out, maybe not, but folks have shown up and they're observing the polls now, so they're not going to get away with it, and it's going to be a lot tougher because people are participating in the process. We're awakening to the fraud, and we're stopping it. 
with more victories, there are now 16 new pro-life women elected to Congress, which is an amazing accomplishment. So, <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're not finished yet, and uh, we're, we're not happy with, I think we used to call you news, but I don't know who you are now, and we're turning you off. So we're here now. This is what we're going to be doing from here on out. We encourage folks to tune in to uh, uh, the Charlie Kirk Show, a number of other shows that are doing this, and uh, work hard to get your, your information because uh, you, want, you want real information, not narrative, and that's what we're striving for. So folks, don't be discouraged. Work hard. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. We heard Thomas Paine say that. This consolation, though, that uh, the harder the, the work, the more glorious the triumph. And so you just keep pushing. Keep pushing. Keep working. Um, I did make a post today. I think I'll close with this. It's, I don't know. You may or may not like it, but too bad. It's kind of my MO. Um, <laughs> my eyes are bad, but I'll do my best. Uh, this, is, this is from uh, Lord of the Rings. Frodo Baggins says, um, I, well, let me, let me take a picture of it so I can enlarge it. There we go. That's better. Thank you. Mm. Frodo Baggins says, I cannot do this, Sam. And Samwise Ganji says, I know it's all wrong. By rights, we should not even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, uh, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger. They were, and sometimes you did not want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was with so much bad? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out all the clearer. Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in the stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they did not. They kept going because they were holding on to something. Frodo Baggins says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Samwise says that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. So. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's amazing. It'll take you a while. Long movies, a lot of gore, but great story and inspiring. It was a way that uh, the author had processed the misery he had witnessed in World War I. And he, from a Christian perspective, he tried to create this understanding and this war between good and evil. I love the idea of the ring that power wants to concentrate. Very few people know what to do with power. And they don't understand that it belongs to the people. But more importantly, we're accountable to God and accountable to each other. Because when we get too much, money and power accelerants, they just make you more of what you already are. And we really need to start standing for truth and contending for what is right. So don't despair. You have been privileged to be born 
in such a time as this. So with that will come the blessing from the Lord upon your life and all who are listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow night. We're going to prayer now. Bye now.